0: You know how we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. The bomb, Dimitri. The hydrogen bomb. Well, now, what happened is, um, one of our base commanders, he had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. You know, just a little funny and uh, he went and did a silly thing well I'll tell you what he did, he ordered his planes to attack your country Uh, well let me finish Dimitri let me finish Dimitri well listen, how do you think I feel about it can you imagine how I feel about it Dimitri why do you think I'm calling you Just to say hello? Of course I like to speak to you. Of course I like to say hello. Not now, but any time, Dimitri. I'm just calling up to tell you something terrible has happened. It's a friendly call. Of course it's a friendly call. Listen, if it wasn't friendly, you probably wouldn't have even got it.
1: This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. The revelation that it took unprecedented military intervention from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to prevent a coup by President Donald Trump should scare the fucking shit out of you. According to excerpts from Bob Woodward and Robert Costa's forthcoming book, Peril, General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, stated he was certain that Trump had gone into a serious mental decline in the aftermath of the election and agreed with Nancy Pelosi's assertion that he was crazy. So as Trump raged about how the election had supposedly been stolen from him... Milley single-handedly called the top-secret meeting of senior military officials in the Pentagon's war room to deter Trump from launching nuclear weapons or a military strike.
2: Stunning new revelations tonight about how concerned the nation's top military officer was about former President Donald Trump's behavior and actions around last year's election and the January insurrection. They come from a yet-to-be-released book by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa a the Washington Post, and they raise serious questions about the end of the Trump administration, the perception of the former president's fitness for the job, and civil-military relations.
1: That's a stark reminder of the fragile state of our democracy, where the GOP has become so beholden to a nihilistic death cult whose ideology is informed from deranged conspiracy theories and violent insurrections... That one of our few remaining guardrails was a potential military coup. Despite his best intentions, the idea that Milley self-deputized himself as the keeper of democracy is a terrifying thought. We shouldn't be surprised about how Milley reacted. He was reacting as any
3: student of history or student of the Constitution would. uh, And of course, that's what General Milley is. Uh, He's not a political servant. He's not a Trump lapdog. He was appointed by Trump, of course, to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, But he's a career military officer, and his role uh, was to lead the military and to protect its independence. And he obviously was very troubled uh, by that photo op uh, in June of 2020 at the Lafayette Square uh, photo op when Trump walked across the park to hold up the Bible. Uh, that was the lowest point in, in Millie's career as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and he became determined, and we detail this in, in, in depth in our book, he became determined uh, never to let that happen again.
1: As thrilled as I am that Trump was not able to steal power after losing the election, if our future choices come down to right-wing coup or a military coup to prevent a right-wing coup, we are fucked. According to the book, Milley took an oath from the military officers that he and others would be involved if Trump ever considered giving a nuclear order or a military strike.
3: At the time, Milley was extremely concerned about what President Trump was capable of. Secretary of Defense Mark Esper had been terminated. The January 6th attack had just occurred and senior Pentagon officials had been replaced
1: with Trump loyalists. He also made two secret phone calls to his Chinese counterpart, General Li Cheng, of the People's Liberation Army, four days before the election and the other two days after the January 6th insurrection to assure him that the United States would not attack China.
3: Now, the context for the call was back in October. That's when the Chinese, the U.S. believed that the Chinese feared some kind of U.S. attack, some kind of October surprise. And so senior civilian Pentagon officials called their counterparts and reassured them that, no, there was no imminent U.S. attack. As part of that reassurance... General Milley called his counterpart back in October to reassure him of the same thing. And we have some of the words from that call, thanks to the Woodward Costa book. What General Milley told General Lee that time is, General Lee, you and I have known each other for five years. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be... A surprise. Now, those words, I'm going to call you ahead of time, are extraordinary, Judy. Mm -hmm. But these defense officials who I've been talking to emphasize that the message, the core message of what Milley was trying to say, reassurance, there is not going to be an attack by the U.S. on China, that was wrong, and that that message of reassurance was the same thing that the Pentagon civilian leadership wanted.
1: Milley's fears about how the commander-in-chief could lash out in his final days was shared by CIA Director Gina Haspel. Who was worried Trump might attack Iran, and according to the book, warned Millie, we are on the way to a right wing coup. The whole thing is fucking insanity. He is acting out like a six-year-old with a temper tantrum after Trump refused to concede the election. Him to say that I was going to attack China is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And everybody knows it. And I have to tell you, I don't know if they have him on tape saying this, but I found Woodward and I found uh, his uh, cohorts to be extremely dishonorable people. That's why I didn't do an interview with him. I think he's highly overrated. This guy is one of the most overrated guys he's a sleaze but i did not ever think of attacking china one other thing i just read a report about a week ago where they said donald trump was the only president in decades that didn't start a war milley allegedly took these bold steps to ensure accomplishing the single goal of having a peaceful democratic transfer of power on inauguration day we've got a plane with four engines and three of them are out we've got no landing gear But we're going to land this plane, and we're going to land it safely, he said, rationalizing his actions.
0: Milley defended the calls, saying they were in keeping with his responsibilities to, quote, maintain strategic stability.
1: The only problem with this analogy is that in our democracy, we entrust elected officials and not the military to fly the planes. When the military takes control of the cockpit, that's usually referred to as a coup. Something the United States has frequently supported in foreign countries and almost inevitably leads to brutal authoritarian leaders. The suppression of dissent, the silencing of the judiciary, and the dismantling of a representative government based upon the will of the people in favor of an oligarchy. Basically, the opposite of a functioning democracy. This is a
3: political party that spent the past five years trashing the FBI, trashing the CIA, uh, TRASHING THE INTELLIGENCE COMMUNITY, uh, SITTING BACK BEING QUIET FOR THE MOST PART, ESPECIALLY IN THE HOUSE WHEN DONALD TRUMP SAID HE TRUSTED RUSSIA AND VLADIMIR PUTIN MORE THAN HE TRUSTED OUR INTEL COMMUNITY. NOW THEY'RE TRASHING GENERAL Milley, THE CHAIRMAN OF THE JOINT CHIEF. Saying, THIS IS WHAT WE REPUBLICANS, BACK WHEN I WAS A REPUBLICAN, THIS IS WHAT WE ALWAYS ACCUSED DEMOCRATS OF DOING. IT'S JUST INSANE. This is a party that is now attacking generals, the FBI, the
1: CIA, the intel community, the very people who keep us safe. According to Peril and earlier Trump's last day tell-alls that Milley also dished to, he and other leaders were concerned Trump would go rogue and judging by January 6th, the big lie, the election audits around the country, and recent revelations about how Trump pressured the Justice Department they were absolutely right.
2: Well, look, I've read every one of these books that came out. Phil Rucker's uh, book, I Alone Can Fix it, is absolutely fabulous. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading Peril. To some extent, however, they're almost unneeded. All I do is give granularity, context, uh, richness of the obscenities being uttered in the Oval Office. Mostly being acted out in public was a president trying to overthrow the election of... Mr. Biden and who was on the edge of using the elements of coercive power of the US government to enforce it acting secretary of defense retired lieutenant colonel functionary from the white house acting attorney general acting homeland security about to fire the cia director if we were looking at a third world country we would have said this guy's To conduct a coup against his constitution. The military was forced into such a dangerous,
1: unprecedented role because the GOP and the conservative movement has nearly abdicated all its responsibility to democracy, fair governance, the truth, or playing by the rules. The institutions and guardrails will only hold and contain dangerous actors like Trump if the people entrusted to support them
2: remain committed to a democratic project. We sometimes lose sight of the fact that the American system of government wasn't designed to cope with somebody like Donald Trump. Yeah, um, That the Constitution, our, our institutions, our uh, norms, our traditions, they all assume that the, and this is a place where I should really add, I don't represent the Defense Department or the War College. Uh, you know, the, 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 the system that we live in is based on agreements and a general sense that normal and decent people will hold these offices. Um, you know, James Madison, when he was asked about checks and balances, said um, without virtue in the public, checks and balances. He's, he says literally no system of government can save you, can can secure you. And that's what we learned during this period, that if you get somebody who thinks that by winning an election, he basically bought a giant corporation that he now owns and that uniformed men and women of the United States armed forces are now just like the security guards in his department store to be ordered around at his beck and call and that losing an election is like a proxy fight for control of the company. Um, You know, the, the, the American public and the American, the institutions that they support just aren't capable of coping with that. Vice President Mike Pence, Trump's neutered gimp, who abandoned all
1: semblance of shame and honor in his subservience to the former president. Ask Dan Quayle if there was any way to avoid certifying the election to placate his deranged master.
3: You know, our friend Chris Eliza said that Dan Quayle may have saved democracy in that phone call with Mike Pence. Maybe,
2: but it's also such an unbelievably low bar. It's such a low bar. You know, don't overthrow the results of an election
1: here. Quayle, to his credit, did his part to help save the nation by replying... I do know the position you're in. I also know what the law is. You listen to the parliamentarian. That's all you do. You have no power.
0: It shows what the mood must have been in the Trump White House. The degree, uh, as, as Jim and uh, as Shudo said just a few minutes ago with you, you, know, the degree to which there really was an attempt to overturn the results, a combination of mob force and intimidation on the one hand, and, and bending and going around the law, On the other, first at the state level, when they pressured the state legislators and state uh, officials, uh, like Brad Raffensperger, and then, obviously, the things he tried to do with the Justice Department and the Defense Department. I mean,
1: that's the context I would put this in. Think about that for a second, folks. This country was, for all intents and purposes, saved by Dan fucking Quayle. The man has been a walking punchline for decades, an imbecile for the ages. But that's where we are at this moment. Reliant not on the best and the brightest, to use a Kennedy phrase, but the worst and the dumbest. Pence remains bizarrely, masochistically loyal to Trump, even after he told the Veep, you've betrayed us, I made you, you were nothing, and even after Trump's supporters tried to fucking lynch him.
0: I know it was you, Fredo.
1: You broke my heart. You broke my heart. These Republicans know better. They just don't care. They will follow where the base leads as it becomes ever more radicalized and weaponized in an absolutist pursuit of minority rule and the implementation of white Christian supremacy.
0: Jews will not replace us! Jews will not replace us!
1: Not Last month, a Trump supporter was arrested after threatening to bomb the Library of Congress. This Monday, a man with machetes and white supremacist literature was arrested trying to attack the Democratic National Committee headquarters.
4: California man faces charges in
2: Washington after U.S. Capitol Police found a bayonet and a machete in his pickup truck. Officers say that the truck was painted with white supremacist symbols, including swastikas. It was found parked near the Democratic National Committee headquarters on Sunday night. Capitol Police say they arrested 44-year-old Donald Craighead for possessing prohibited weapons. They say that Craig had told them that he was, quote, on patrol and began talking about white supremacist ideology. Police say it's not clear if he was planning to go to a rally on Saturday to support those who were arrested after the January 6th assault. They're political prisoners, pretty much. They're stuck in solitary 23 hours a day.
0: Our own politicians, our They're not given own.
3: a speedy trial. They're not given the our rights own. that we should have. But... I mean, do
2: you think what happened up there on the 6th of January was a, a stain on Trump's presidency? No, I don't. Yeah, I think
0: it was a setup.
1: I think it was a setup from the beginning.
0: In terms of this event on the AC, mm-hmm. um, you know, people up on Capitol Hill are scared. Are scared. Yeah. Should they be scared? They should be. The, I mean, the, the, an election was stolen. Really. You know, there's no way that I've seen those millions of people here. If those people were here to do damage on January 6th, they could have took that whole Capitol over. Oh my
2: easy we could have busted every window and taken everybody yeah but, that, but that's not why we were here
1: the only person got killed that day was a trump supporter ashley and her name Babin. was ashley Babbitt there's an old chinese curse that goes may you live in interesting times we have entered this bizarre moment a twilight zone where politics no longer makes sense and those making the rules have lost their fucking minds some days i wish this was all just a bad dream if only i could just wake up you-
0: Free. You can jump into the fire, but you never need you can share, share,
1: can down. And now for the main event. Here we go folks, you asked and I delivered. Backed by popular demand, on mea Culpa is the one and only Stormy Daniels. Unless you were born and in a cave, you know Stormy, her story, and what transpired between the two of us. So I'm going to get the fuck out of the way and get to the good part. Stormy, as always, is funny, charming, smart, and tough as nails. She joins me on mea culpa as the fallout from Bob Woodward and Robert Costa's book Peril has caused convulsions back in Washington. We'll get back to that. First, let's have some fun, and let's listen now to that conversation. Stormy. You've been quite active in the wake of Hurricane Ida with your Apocalypse crew. Uh, Who are these folks? Uh, First of all, who are these folks and what have you been doing? If you would, catch us up on the life of Stormy. Is there like any interesting political encounters that you can share with my listeners?
4: Okay, so this wasn't something that I planned to do, obviously. um, I decided to stay. for. I live in New Orleans, for those who don't know I'm, I'm from here. And we made the decision to stay and ride out the storm. Uh, The city spent over a billion dollars after Katrina to redo the levees and and the system. So I had a lot of faith in it. I know that the house that I live in now is solid brick. It withstood Katrina. It did get a little water in it for the first storm. Um, But I decided to, to take my chances and ride it out. The issue, you know, politically speaking, that there's been a lot of fallout about is that our mayor... Latoya Cantrell did not make evacuation mandatory. So most of the deaths that have happened here in the city were post-storm. There were people who couldn't leave um, because their insurance wouldn't cover it because the evacuation wasn't mandatory. And we've had a lot of deaths this week from people not having food and water and power. And they chose to stay. Some of these people who definitely should have left made the decision to stay because they couldn't get reimbursement from their insurance. Insurance won't cover things if the evacuation wasn't mandatory. Um, So I knew that was going to happen. Uh, This is one of those instances where I am not happy to be right because I do love to be right, Uh, but not in this case. And so the storm happens. Obviously, the entire city lost power. Uh, I was fortunate. I didn't have any damage to my house. Uh, and I have a generator, I pulled it out of my horse trailer and was able to fire up the refrigerator and, and all of that stuff. And I'm much more fortunate than most of the other people here. So obviously, as we know, um, the government and aid was very slow to respond, I still haven't heard very much. So we got to work very next morning with a group of friends Uh, of mine and they're just sort of the rejects of the city you know like I'm a porn star we have musicians and punks and goth kids and artists and tattoo artists you know these kind of people who are the normally would be considered the outsiders of society and while the churches were shut down and the government was shut down and there was no none of these normal people that are supposed to be the do-gooders here we have these outcasts we got together and we I dubbed us the apocalypse crew because literally we strapped our boots on we're climbing on each other's roofs Putting tarps up, I started work right away delivering food and, and, you know, I had a working car and a generator and people were putting food in the people's houses that could save it. And I was fortunate there's a couple of places here in town. And for you, for any listeners who live in New Orleans, I just have to give a big shout out to these two businesses. One is Bar Redux. They donated all of their food. And we were able to feed about 200 people a day for seven days. They allowed us to go in and barbecue in their place. And we all got together. And the other place is Courtyard Brewery over on Camp Street. And, you know, the first they did was they donated all their beer so it wouldn't go bad, which, you know, after a storm, some people need a drink. But he also opened up his facility, which is huge. And we've used it as a donation center. Um, And every day we filled trucks. And now that New Orleans is getting back on its feet just a little bit, we're focusing on Homa and the Bayou Parishes, which still do not have power. So it's just been all day, every day. And we just got this group together and was like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll just do it ourselves. And I was going my I cut out the middleman is what I did. I had people just direct message me on Twitter and Instagram. I had a lady in Spain, for instance, she's an exchange student. She was like, I can't reach my parents. It's been three days they're elderly. They, they don't have a way to plug their phones in to call for help. You know, I was able to charge my phone in the car, but a lot of people don't have that. And she's like, I haven't had any contact with them and they're not in a nursing home. They're not on any sort of a list. Uh, can you go check on them? And sure enough, I brought them food. They hadn't eaten in a couple days. There was another lady down in Gentelli that I went to bring food to, um, because her niece or nephew couldn't get back into the city and they were concerned about it. (laughs) And this is one of the saddest funny things I've ever seen in my life. I got there and her wheelchair had stopped working and she hadn't been able to use the bathroom in two days. So I I had to help her. Um, But you just have all these people who felt have fallen through the cracks. You know, maybe they're not, they're either not in nursing homes or they're not on disability or they're not veterans. They don't have family here in the city, but they still are elderly or perhaps in a way disabled. And those are the people that, you know, you need to go and check on door to door um, but then you have other people who you their relatives haven't trusted them to what they thought was the right thing. And fuck this motherfucker. Uh, his name is Bob Dean. I don't know if you've heard about this, Michael, but his business is nursing homes, uh, which is exactly what he treats it as, a business. And he has donated to a lot of politicians. Just, you know, so I'm sure he's someone that you, you know, have come across the likes of. Anyway, he has a bunch of nursing homes in Louisiana. And I think on record, he had between 650 and 700 patients. Turns out it was more like 850. So where are all these unaccounted for people? But he took all of his residents from his nursing home and he put them on fucking buses. And this is so fucked up. He put them in a warehouse and left them for days. With And several of them passed away. And their families couldn't find them. He just skipped town. He took all of these elderly, disabled people and put them on air mattresses in a warehouse and fucking left. Uh,
1: ultimately, I'm sure that he will end up facing, or he better be facing, the law. You know, we had that same sort of nonsense going on here in New York with the uh, nursing home scandal. Yeah. That ultimately, it was part of the um, scenario that caused Andrew Cuomo the loss of his office as governor. Uh, I hope right. this guy sees the. Department of Justice. And I hope they come to see him.
4: Oh, I do too. But here's the thing. He had complaints from years previous and he didn't have an evacuation plan. And this all goes back to the fact that the mayor of New Orleans did not issue a mandatory evacuation. So they weren't required to follow it. Um, And I just don't understand how people just, you know, do this. When the emergency workers went in, there were people, these elderly folks just laying on air mattresses in their own urine. And some of them were in standing water. And like I said, uh, some of them have died, have passed away. And then there was another um, apartment building, assistant living apartment building or here that the power went out, which means that the elevator stopped working. So you have all these residents that are in wheelchairs or using walkers that were stranded up high and they weren't forced to evacuate because, you know, the hurricane isn't what caused the problem. It was loss of power and then they can't get down. And so we were having to bring up ice and things like that and, so now there's just been a big backlash with the pol, you know, the local politicians, and a couple of crazy people are trying to talk me into running for mayor, mayor, because you know, that's a good idea. <laughs>
3: Shock.
4: But, but I do, I do have the perfect campaign campaign slogan, Stormy Daniels. You've definitely voted for worse. I like,
1: I like that. But you know, you know what I don't, yeah, Stormy. You know what <laughs> I don't like? I don't like the fact that you call yourselves outsiders because. You know, whether you're a tattoo artist, whether you're in adult film entertainment, whatever your profession might be, you did really good things for a lot of people who needed it. Picture if you didn't do it. You know, it's very easy. For people to sit back and say, oh, you know, I would have done it. I would have done it. It's another thing to actually pick your ass up like you did and go find food, go find things for people to drink and to eat when people are at their absolute worst. And that's really what being American is all about. It's something that, you know, Trump administration had ripped apart. Republican versus, I certainly, I can guarantee right now that, you didn't go over to people and ask them as they were standing online at that bar uh, in order to pick up food. Are you Republican or are you Democrat? They were just Louisianans, just like you, and and that's and for that you should really be. Um, commended. It has nothing to do with outsiders and insiders. The you know the do-gooders—they're full of shit, most of them anyway. They'll write a check, they'll send it off, and think that that's about you know uh, the most that they can do. And you know better than anybody, it's not.
4: No, of course, and and I I don't feel like an outsider, but we're perceived outsiders. But I can tell you right now, none of us were outsiders. We were all definitely on the inside here. It was like the first episode of The Walking Dead. You know, I was trading. Uh, bottles of water to this person for a pack of diapers to go deliver to this woman who had had a baby and her newborn was wrapped in a diaper when I got there because you know and I'm trading cans of beefaroni. Sounds, more to, of like, sounds more to me like sounds more to me like Burning
1: Man. Uh, you'd be like a pro at that, right? It's <laughs> like I'll trade you like six pieces of toilet <laughs> paper for a bottle of water.
4: It smells yeah, about as no,
1: bad. So, sorry to hear that one.
4: <laughs> Our trash still hasn't been picked up. It's been <sighs> two weeks.
1: Hi, folks. Michael Cohen here. and We've got an amazing sponsor for this episode, The Jordan Harbinger Show. Things can get pretty intense discussing American politics. So if you need a break from the news cycle and want to hear incredible storytelling that is both fascinating and actionable, check out last Thursday's episode with Pulitzer Prize-winning author Charles Duig. He discusses his new book, Smarter, Better, Faster, The Secrets of Being Productive in Life and Business. You'll leave this episode inspired and ready to get back to work no matter what you do. The show covers such a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. And there are a ton of episodes you'll find interesting since you're a fan of this show, like the July 6th interview with Master Pickpocket Barb Arno on how he spots a mark. There's an episode for everyone, though, no matter what you're into. The show covers stories like how a professional art forger made millions of dollars while being chased by the feds and the mafia. Jordan's also done an episode on how to deal with corrupt and crooked bosses, addiction, brain chemistry, and so much more. The podcast covers a lot, but one constant is his ability to pull useful pieces of advice from his guests. I promise you, you'll find something useful that you can apply to your own life whether it's an actionable routine change that boosts your productivity or just a slight mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. We really enjoy the show and we think you will as well. So search for the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. I understand that you've become an expert on the occult uh, from your show, Spooky Babes. First of all, I'd like to know, how is it doing? Uh, I have just over 68 days left, me personally, on the Cohen home confinement calendar. And I would love to know what's in store for my future, because I understand that you do those readings and... You know, I understand that you do um, mm-hmm. what they call tarot cards. You know, I've never actually had a reading done. Right. So that I was hoping that you'd give me a reading while we're here uh together um on, you know, Maya Culpa.
4: Sure. That'd be interesting. So I don't actually do tarot cards, I do Oracle cards. Um just to clarify. It's a little bit different for anyone who's listening that actually knows about this sort of thing. And the show's doing well. I put a little pause on it because I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, we have 13 episodes filmed, but I did uh, the surreal life and we shot in Mexico and that's going to start airing at the end of the month. And it's going to be very interesting to watch. Of course, it all depends on how they edit it, but I was, you know, the last person to come onto the show and I can't reveal too much, but I will tell you that everyone hated me the first two episodes. And by the end I had read everyone's cards and they all said that I was very accurate. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see how that, ghost but if you want me to pull some cards
1: for you i can I, um are you scared not particularly look i've been to otisville i've been through the system i worked for trump what could i be scared of <laughs> i've
4: been i that's what i say all the time. people are like aren't you afraid when you go ghost hunting i'm like i saw trump naked nothing
1: fucking scares me <laughs> yeah and i've seen him coming out of the shower so whereas you're worse you're worse than me <laughs> okay
4: Let's see. I'm going to do a quick read, because normally my readings take about 20 minutes, and I know we don't have that time. So I'm just going to do a quick one, and this, I use the Fairy Oracle deck, and the first thing I'm going to do is I cleanse them before um, with sage, because I do them between each person. You don't want anybody else's germs. It's like using a used (laughs) condom.
0: (laughs) Um,
4: So we're just going to Shuffle, and I'm gonna, you know, I call in whether it's God, universe, whatever speaks to you, because to me it's all energy and it's your reading. So I'm just gonna shuffle, and I'm gonna ask, you know, the energy or God, universe, what is your message for Michael? What's in store? What's in store for
1: Michael's future? Because you know, everything was taken from me as a direct result of, you know, of Donald and all of his bullshit. So I am kind of curious to see what. The good Lord has in store for my future.
0: What is your oh
4: message? I'm not looking so nobody thinks I'm cheating. Whoa. Oh, I has got seals. Look how big my deck is. You saw me shuffling, you know. I pulled the honesty uh-huh. card. That's your overall message from the universe. And it just means moving forward to stand in your power and to speak truth. As a matter of fact, just so nobody thinks I'm full of shit, I'm just going to, I don't normally do this because I have it memorized, but I'm going to read to you what this card means specifically from the guidebook, which I, I mean, I know what it means, but if anybody wants to look it up so they know that I'm—that's so crazy, it is the card of honesty, compassion and getting rid of self deceit. Perhaps in the past you lied to yourself about doing what you thought was right for the greater good. Honesty in your reading speaks unsurprisingly of the need for straight dealing in truth and representation. You need to be completely honest here, making certain there is no room for confusion or misunderstanding, no fuzzy edges. Both written and verbal agreements need to be completely clear. On a personal level, Michael, honesty reminds us not only to be clear in what we say and do, but act and speak with compassion and tact. Brutal honesty is not actual honesty at all, but somehow slanted towards the worst. Dishonesty in the name of tact is not helpful either. Balancing on that fine love, line of honesty and love may take some effort, but it will provide you with rich rewards. Humility, idealism, and clarity of mind are some advantages that you will come well, to see. Well, there
1: you go. Wow. I, I, honestly, I'm shocked too, because there's a lot of things that are happening...
4: I don't know. If you can tell my, my face got red. Like I, I am fucking. Yeah. Well, it's away.
1: wild. It's wild, like especially was- in light of uh, some new revelations that will be coming uh, down the pike with the district attorney and the attorney general's um, cases against Trump, the Trump Organization, Weiselberg, Calamari, and so many others. So, yep, I will remain on that path of truth to power. Uh, something I'm actually working on my second book right now, which is a lot of it has to do with that. So, well done, Stormy. Well, I mean, really, well, well done.
4: Well, hang on, I want to say just for anybody who might be listening. Normally, when I do a reading, I do this one card, which is your overall message, but I also do a three card spread, so it would be much more in depth. This is like just a very quick little well, I'm one. Calling card you to, I'm
1: calling you. you later. I'm calling you later to get the other three cards. I don't want to get jipped on anything. Here. Definitely. So, so, so you, I'm,
4: I'm gonna pull them anyway. Yeah, right.
1: All right. So you're on a reboot of the surreal life with Dennis Rodman, who notoriously, you know, flew to North Korea to attempt to broker a peace deal a few years back. Now, let me ask you this question What's the strangest thing that happened between you and Dennis that you can discuss? Because I actually have a Dennis Rodman story that is also crazy.
4: You know what? I, I have to be really careful here because the show has an air jet and I don't want to get into trouble. But I will tell you that there was eight of us in the house. Dennis, um, he was not very nice to everyone in the house. And he, he actually ended up, you know, there were some moments where he couldn't be around anybody. And I was the only person that he did not attack at some point or insult on the show. Um, he stayed pretty far away from me. Uh, I didn't have a lot of real one-on-one interactions with him, but it, it's going to be very interesting to watch. He was a very difficult character for a lot of the people on the show. Well, don't
1: forget, you know, I had had an opportunity to spend some time with Dennis when he was on Celebrity Apprentice. And, you know, um there were actually two things that happened with Dennis. One dealt with Trump and the other was with me. The one with Trump was as follows. First of all, he comes into the office. He asked me to go with him. So we're sitting down and he he wants Mr. Trump and myself to fly with him to North Korea to attend a basketball game uh, in honor of his friend, the supreme leader, Kim Jong-un. And Trump is sitting there. This is, of course, before he was president. This is while he was in the you know, early stages of the run. And he turned around and he said to himself, you've got to always love the fact that Donald is thinking about Donald. There were a whole slew of detainees, American detainees there uh, in North Korea. So he said, I'll tell you what, you could tell your buddy that I will come, but under one condition. And the condition was that they free uh, these handful of detainees there in North Korea, mm-hmm. but... He's going to send his private plane, the one that has Trump written on the side of it like a billboard, to fly into North Korea and Uh fly them back out to America so that he could reach, you know, he could meet them on the tarmac and have this whole big hoopla, Donald the savior. Now, you could imagine Donald's face when Dennis said, no, 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 this is only about basketball. This isn't about politics, to which Trump then said, well, then I don't see any benefit in it for me. And so, uh, you know, I'm not going. Not interested. The second one was even crazier. So it was during the shooting of The Apprentice, and Dennis shows up to my office. Now, Dennis actually drinks a lot, he drinks vodka, as I'm sure you saw. Um, I mean, it's hard to imagine.
4: Uh, You'll see I mean, it's so
1: truly that. hard to imagine because I've heard that, you know, this is how he has been for a long time, even when he was one of the greatest ball players you know, in the league at the time. So, yeah. you know, I'm just amazed he was able to. But he shows up to my office because it had gotten so bad, the drinking, that he was not showing up to shoots and to doing tasks that they cut him off from the bar downstairs. And he remembered the last time he was in my office that I had a bottle of Trump vodka in my in my office on my windowsill. And the bottle was signed by Donald. It was like the first bottle that came off the assembly, you know, for that Trump vodka. And he turned around, he comes in, he's wearing this crazy long red wig and he's wearing a dress and the type of stilettos that you've seen on girls. On poles, right? I mean, it was the crazy. First of all, he was like seven foot four. He had to bend down like two feet in order just to get into my office. He plops himself down in the chair and he turns around and he goes, I need that bottle. Now, what are you going to do when Dennis Rodman, who's standing now seven feet tall, tatted from neck to toe, wants, wants something out of your office? And I said to him, You know, I can't let you have it. First of all, for me, it was a memento. It was like one of the first bottles that came off Donaldson. He goes, "I don't give a shit about the bottle. I just want what's inside of it." I ultimately opened it and gave it to him because he would not leave my office. Uh, but you know, my hope is that you know he finds some way to um, take a little bit of a recess on you know the alcohol because he's actually a great guy when you know when he's not. Hyper aggressive because he's on an alcohol withdrawal. He's truly a really great, and he's funny as hell.
4: Yeah, he's funny. And uh, I think what you're describing is let me just say, nothing's really changed. The difference between me and you is I did tell him no and I threatened to climb him and beat his ass.
1: Yeah, well, that's because he's smart enough. He would never, first of all, he would never hit you. Whereas I was actually um, concerned that he was going to take it anyway. Mm -hmm. And you know, I didn't need to end up in a fight with Dennis. You know, um, despite the fact that he was walking around with this gigantic, like, big gulp, you know, and filled up with ice, and he just wanted what was inside that bottle of vodka.
4: Well, let's just say you probably made a, the right choice because he—I put myself between him and another class, uh, another castmate. Yeah, I
1: mean, he's 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 a big he's a big he's a big fella, and, and um, no. like like I said, I certainly hope that he cuts that back because he's actually a really nice guy but I do want to move on and just ask you you were on CNN with John Berman talking about the New York State and Manhattan DA's investigation into the Trump organization recently now I'm curious if they have reached out to you or to your new lawyer Um, what information did you save that might be of value to them
4: is this in this is in regards to the Avenatti stuff this is in regards to to the
1: Trump matter and the Trump organization oh
4: okay I have not. I still have not, you know, been contacted. Um, I talked to my attorney a few days ago. So as of a few days ago, he didn't have any updates either, but I'm here and willing and, you know, ready. I have turned over everything. I have everything backed up and saved. You know um, I don't know if you saw me on the up, upro- uh, uh, hear me out, you know, on vice TV. And it should be coming out on the online too because it aired on television a few weeks ago. Uh, I got tired of waiting, you know. Just like with the hurricane, if somebody's not going to step up and do the right thing, fuck it, I'll do it myself. And I released the video footage and all that stuff of when the false charges were put on my FBI record, and I filmed them. Uh, and I got stopped at the border, and no one can tell me how these charges, including the FBI, no one can tell me how they were put on there. Obviously, they were all fake. I didn't release until very recently that I had filmed it because I was waiting for, you know, the p- powers to be to ask me. But no one's come to me. Nobody wants to talk to me. So I released it publicly because people need to know that someone in power, you know, I'm not going to. Was it Trump? Was it someone who worked for him? was high enough to get into the computer system above the FBI? Someone with a lot of fucking clearance. And they put 17 false charges on my record knowing I was going into Canada. And that was just behind turned over to Homeland security. Um, thankfully the border patrol in Canada recognized that it was all fake and they made me a temporary resident and stuck me across the border so that I didn't get probably murdered. Um, and, and I, and I, I don't normally do this. I'm not the kind of person that demands things and say, do you know who I am? I'm Stormy Daniels. And this is one of those rare times that I said, do you know who I am? Like if any of these charges were true, it would have been all over the news. And it just makes me very fearful of someone who'd be considered less famous, less identifiable, you know, less recognized if they were stopped at the border and they tried to say, like, do you know who I am? These are fake. And I mean, has that happened? That should be terrifying for any U.S. citizen, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, pro-Trump, pro-Biden, whatever, like that someone in power could put something on your record, have you detained and then and then what happens to you? I was lucky enough that you know I said, "Do you know who I am?" I'm Stormy <laughs> Daniels, and the guy said, "Yeah." But what if it was just a, you know someone not recognizable? And has it happened before? And that should be utterly terrifying. And I still haven't gotten answers. And that was over, that was. So I mean, I was going to ask you,
1: what's happened with that? I mean, is there an investigation going it uh, onto it? Is there somebody specifically assigned to that case? One would think that if it shows up on your record, and it's fake, somebody has to know who put it in. You know, I'm going to give you a story that happened to me, which you may remember. Um, your ex-pal over there, Michael Avenatti, paid a guy in San Francisco who was an IRS agent, a guy named Jonathan Fry, uh, paid him to go into the FinCEN system, that's, um, you know, Fin uh, Financial Crimes Network. It is the most sacred of all of these various different websites, because that's how you catch terrorists. That's how you catch money launderers. It's a very, very secure system that specifically states on the bottom that illegal usage of the system, you know, is subject to, you know, um, fines and incarceration of up to five years. Well, your pal over there, Michael, your former pal, right, decides that he's going to pay I never liked All right. Michael Avenatti goes ahead, pays off this guy, Jonathan Fry, and then they released the information to Ronan Farrow, who writes about it. Now, not only did they grab my banking information, but two other Michael Cohns as well. One from Toronto, Canada, and one from Israel. Right. Simply because this guy didn't have a lot of time. But what bothered me the most is it took over a year before which they finally identified that it came from Jonathan Fry's computer. And I know for a fact, based upon how the system works, all you have to do is look at the keystrokes. They knew after 30 minutes of investigation who had typed my name in. Right Now maybe, because there's other Michael Cones, maybe two other people did it, but they would have seen who downloaded it and downloaded it to an external hard drive. Right, And that's really a problem. Now, what bothered me the most is this Jonathan Fry ends up getting probation. That's it. He gets probation. For all I know, he's still working over at the IRS in San Francisco. And it's just, it's absolutely illegal what they did. Um, They turn around and they steal your information. In your specific case, they added information. So they have to know who did it. They have to be able to trace back what computer... Put that information on. Because that's... Look, our law enforcement agents are the greatest in the world. Our technology is the greatest there. I mean, they were able to find the guy who was dropping pipe bombs, you know, in some Orlando mailbox, you know, to various different Congress um, uh, people. And they found it out in under 48 hours, not only where the guy lived, where he purchased everything, who he was, et cetera, et cetera. Rest assured, this is based on keystrokes. The fact that they have not told you who did it should automatically mandate that Merrick Garland, Lisa Monaco, Department of Justice, they have to look into this shit. You're a civilian. You're a private the individual. Time. they You just can't do things like that. I moving well, I mean, this is like right out of Russian gulag shit.
4: I haven't told you the best part or the worst part. So I didn't know about these charges. I had to go into Canada because I had an appearance. I got stopped. They were supposed to turn me over. I got lucky that the agents listened to me. And they got me across. But whoever put those charges on my FBI record, which I secretly filmed this entire thing and gave it to vice TV because it's been two years and they haven't talked to me. They won't give me any answers, but whoever put these false charges in my file, it took them what, how long a day they, it it was all all the charges, although they said the crimes were committed on different dates were all entered on the same date. So it took somebody one day, one hour, 20 minutes to put these on there. It took them four, four fucking months to take the charges off. I could not fly. I could not work. I could not get into my bank accounts. I could not leave my house because I was afraid for four months. I was basically on fake house arrest. No offense.
1: No offense taken.
4: Because I was told like, if I got into a car accident or got to speak, like if somebody hit me, it was like I was, and they ran my license and I got the wrong officer or the wrong whatever and i got taken in so i had set. imagine living in your house with 17 false FBI charges afraid to go outside just in in case something happened to me and they needed my id i was locked i was a prisoner in my own home i couldn't do anything and if it wasn't for my you know my friend justin who t- basically brought me food i i couldn't i canceled all my i couldn't do my appearances i couldn't work i couldn't fly uh, i missed over i was supposed to go to Iceland for an appearance I was supposed to go all these places and I couldn't because I was flagged but how does it take them you just told me they can do keystrokes how does it take an one day for someone to put this on there and it takes them four four months to get it off and it's been two years and they won't tell me yeah so
1: stormy forget about how long it takes to get off they should be able to take it off as quickly as they put it on in one minute they can verify (laughs) that the charges are inaccurate what bothers me more than how long it takes to take it off The fact that right now, under a democratically controlled White House, we have Merrick Garland, Lisa Monaco, we have the Department of Justice in there. You have all of these Democrats that are screaming for answers. Yes, answers on January 6th. We need those too. But this isn't just some error on somebody else whose name is Stormy Daniels. This is bullshit, right? And If you really want to figure out just how badly Donald Trump manipulated the Department of Justice, how badly he weaponized the Department of Justice to go after private citizens like yourself, like me. You think it was any different? You think it didn't come from Trump and Bill Barr, the retaliation against me when I went in to get an ankle monitor? I go there with my lawyer and all of a sudden this kid Pakula, this woman Ina Gerbis, they start lying and they put down in affidavits complete lies that says that I was that I was um, uh, belligerent and that I refused to cooperate. I went there for the purpose of signing papers. My son was waiting in his car. Outside the courthouse to take me back. Everybody was coming back to my apartment in order to put on the ankle monitor. Why would I? And even the judge, Judge um, Alvin K. Hellerstein, made an incredible and an accurate decision when he turned around and he said, "This is pure retaliation by Bill Barr and the and the Department of Justice. They didn't. They knew that I was not going back home. All to what? To stifle my book, Disloyal? Seriously?"
4: It's the same. It should terrify people. I know there's a lot of people who dislike you and that's fine. And I know there's even more people out there who dislike me because I came from porn. So I have a whole new sub, a whole subsect of people who hate me for different reasons, you know, and it doesn't matter. Like you can be the biggest Republican, the biggest Trump supporter, the biggest anti-porn crusader, Christian you know, whatever, and you can hate me as much as you want, but you how can you say that what happened to me was okay because it could happen to anyone, you know, and just like with you, and it should not be allowed and and I it all goes back to the fact that there was no precedent set for going after a sitting president,
1: Yes, it's so you know and, so now, and now and
4: now and he thought he was above the law and the laws that just didn't want to deal with it. and now it's it's been so traumatic and so long that people don't want to handle it now because they basically everyone has post-traumatic stress. I like PTSD. I'm convinced they just want to forget about it. They're tired. They don't want to pursue it. They just want it to go away because they're exhausted. But here are people like you and people like me. We're still dealing with it. Like I still have court cases, you know, I still, you know, Avenatti isn't Trump, but it, I wouldn't have been involved with him if it wasn't for the other thing. And that, you know, that's happening January 10th and people just don't want to, Listener here it out. They just want it to go away. But he committed wire fraud and forged my signature. Well, we're going to get to that. We're not- actually going to get to
1: that in the next question. But I think the actual term is PTTD. It's post-traumatic <laughs> Trump disorder. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So let me jump on to Michael Avenatti for a second. Um, I mean, he was sentenced in July to two and a half years in prison for trying to extort $25 million from Nike. Now, this is after, as you just stated, he embezzled your money and for which you are now suing him. Has that case made Mm -hmm. any further headway? Because I understand that he stole over $300,000 from you, and he did that by forging your signature and that he had the um, publisher send the checks Mm -hmm. to him as your representative and then making some allegation that you owed him this money. Can you enlighten me on this?
4: Okay. So the payments were, you know, obviously broken up and they were supposed to be sent to me and I got my first two, no issue. They were sent directly to me from the publisher per our contract. Then I stopped, I didn't get my other two payments and I was, they weren't talking to me. Long story short, he made a document that said, because I was going through a divorce, that I had requested that the publisher just send all of my checks directly to him. And he forged my signature and gave them his wiring information. When I found this out and confronted him, you know, he, oh, I'm sorry. When, I was, when they weren't paying me and I'm like, my payments are late. I have hundreds of text messages and WhatsApp messages from him saying, I'll have to go after them. They're saying, you know, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, he had already cashed my check. They didn't, they thought they had paid me. They're like, finally, when I reached the owner on her cell phone, which I eventually got that number, she could not believe what I was saying. She was like, I paid. She's like, I paid you early because we were happy. He had had my money for months. And every day I was like, my check didn't come. What the fuck? He he had already cashed it and spent it. And it was lying to me. Hundreds of text messages. Um, So it's very obvious. And I honestly don't know how much. I'm owed. Well, no, 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 no. Hold on, that okay, Because up.
1: my book, Disloyal, did very well, as well as did yours. They can tell you exactly how many books uh, that they sold through they, that yes, system.
4: They're, no, no, they're waiting because it's tied up in legality. So I don't know if I'm owed three hundred thousand or three million. I honestly have no idea because it's all sort of in a holding pattern, and I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but he committed, like he lied to me every single day about it, you know, and then he comes up with some crazy story that I owed it to him anyway, because of our deal. Well, let me tell you right now, Michael, he got, he got paid before I did for the book because he got a finder's fee. He was paid directly from the publisher. He was never entitled to another percentage. As a matter of fact, I have messages from him specifically saying that he wasn't going to take it. You know, you're not allowed to create a deal in your mind. You're an attorney, you know? You can't just be like, well, I think she owes me this retro, you know what I mean? And take it. He's literally in his mind, he thinks he's owed that money even though he was paid a commission up front.
1: Well, by the way, didn't, he do, didn't he do the exact same thing to that um, paraplegic uh, for, for yeah. several millions of dollars? The guy needed money mm-hmm. to live. And he said the money hasn't come in from the insurance carrier as of yet. And so and he, he, spent- and he said, well, I can loan you money. But if I loan you money by law. I have to loan it to you with interest. And he was basically giving the guy his own money. And this is the now, mind you, I understand that tomorrow and I may be wrong, but I understand that tomorrow he's supposed to surrender to prison in Oregon. And then sometime a month later is when the trial um, begins again. Uh, In California, either on your case or on these other individuals who he robbed. You know, it's funny because he was so fast to jump on television. And any time my name came up, right, you know, I'm a thug. I'm a thief. I'm just a I'm a horrible scumbag of a human being. You know, I'm a shitty lawyer. In all fairness, what he was doing is exactly the same as what Trump does. He's deflecting. He's deflecting. Because, by the way, I never took a dollar from anyone in my entire life. I don't owe any money to anyone. Even Judge Pauley recognized this, that I don't owe any money to any institution or any individual ever, right? In fact, I'm the only person that paid out money that ended up going to jail, (laughs) if you think about it. Yes, and you got it. (laughs) But
4: here's something else interesting. Did you know about this? He's so desperate and grasping at straws. Did you see the filings from Avenatti to the court saying that all of my evidence and I shouldn't be allowed to testify. Um, and all of my evidence to be thrown out because I work in paranormal, just pulling these cards for you. He's using it against me and saying, I'm crazy. I'm a witch. It's a literal modern day witch hunt. Um, my, my, He's trying to say because I work on a paranormal ghost hunting television show that I'm crazy and I speak like I'm I'm, I shouldn't be a um, a reputable witness. It's the only time I've seen the other side try to use Stormy. Here's here's the
1: nice thing. I'm sorry, right? Facts of facts. You have the facts. And you will be able to. You yeah. will be able to, just like everybody else. He stole money from, whether it was uh, Patrick Dempsey, all the way to Stormy Daniels. I want to ask you though, because I brought up the part about you know the stealing of my personal information, and then him giving it to Ronan Farrow. Did you ever know anything about that? Did he ever discuss any of that shit with uh, you? No. I, did he ever bring Did no, he ever bring no, up my he, name he to you? Did.
4: Oh, every day, every day. Saying what? Uh. All of the things you just said—that you were a thug and you were behind all of it—and um, he tried to tell me that you hired the person that uh, came into the parking lot. But I don't even think you were. I did. It was years. Trump it was I years before I even
1: way. started working for Trump. And by the way, I want uh, to look you right into the face, and because you pulled the honesty card, right? Not only did I not have any involvement in—I didn't even know until you made that announcement or he made the announcement on television. I had never even heard that story before. And that's, that's the truth.
4: Right. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever get an answer to that, but I mean, it is what it is. I guess. I think it came from the, the publisher of the first, I I don't know. I'm not going to make allegations because I'll just get in more trouble. But um, I think the craziest story he ever told me about you was there's a photo of you that he had where you're having lunch with a, with some men, some men that I don't know who they are, but he said they were Russian mobsters and you were like doing another deal like you did to hire the person to come after me.
1: Uh, that would be an absolute lie. Uh, the only time that I saw him, I was having dinner with my son and a friend of mine and his son at Scalina Tella here, an Italian restaurant. I got that. Right. Story. And yeah. I've, I, I don't know what... again. The guy has an imagination that's almost as big as his ego. And that's what really got him so fucked up. And you know what? He, he deserves it. Payment apps like Venmo, Cash App, and others make payments easy. But you may want to adjust your privacy settings to prevent them from sharing your personal information. A recent report found that payment apps share user data with third parties such as banks, fraud monitoring services, and some even share it with marketing firms. Your private information is more exposed than ever and can leave you vulnerable to cyber threats. The all-in-one protection of Norton 360 with LifeLock makes it easy to have protection in the digital world. Device security blocks cyber criminals from stealing your personal information. VPN with bank rate encryption helps keep information you send over Wi-Fi safe. LifeLock Identity Theft Protection monitors your personal information and alerts you to potential threats. Now, no one could prevent all cybercrime and identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But if you have Norton 360 with LifeLock, as I do, you can opt into cyber safety. So sign up today and save 25% or more off your first year by going to norton.com Cohen. That's 25% off Norton 360 with LifeLock at norton.com Cohen. I do want to ask you, though, with the FEC's dismissal of your case um, and mine against Trump earlier this year, I'm curious if there were any other legal remedies available to you uh, to explore against the former president and his actions and his words towards you. Or is that dead and over?
4: It's not dead and over. I'm not letting it go. I will not be bullied. I am not an attorney. I I leave that to Clark Brewster. He's a brilliant man at what he does, he's fair and, and great. And I don't know all the correct language because, like I said, I'm not an attorney. But I do know that he has another briefing, like he's been briefing at and there's another something. And it's not dead in the water. We're moving forward with appealing it, you know, the judgment. Um, It's still up in the air. Uh, I have no intention to ever pay that because it's bullshit. I will set fire to all of my money and everything I own in my backyard before I write that orange monster a single check. Don't think I won't. I'm moving it
1: with you. Well, look, you know, I have my lawsuit against Trump and the Trump organization uh, for all of the legal expenses. I mean, the funny thing is when it came to uh, the NDA that I had prepared with Keith Davidson. You know, it's funny. People think that, you know, I was constantly in contact with you and that I was harassing you. I mean, because this is how Avenatti described it. In fact, true or not. Right. And I want you to say, right. This the truth. Prior to, I think, you know, your... Appearance on Maya Culpa the first time that was the first time we 've actually ever even seen each other, except for that one time when we passed each I other right at, at laGuardia <laughs> airport i didn 't even know it was you first of all i don 't see very well, and I just saw somebody you were covered by like six guys that must have been you know six feet tall each right so i didn 't get <laughs> to see even who it was, and it was a distance and I was tired from a flight and I was waiting for my suitcase as a carousel seat um, but you know it's to me the whole thing is just Crazy that he directed me to speak to counsel to file um, an injunction against you from appearing on 60 Minutes. Why is that? Why is that my legal responsibility? Why am I the insurance company or the payor of Donald Trump's, you know, legal fees? And we're just waiting now for the judge's decision, the third time they made a motion for summary judgment, the first two they lost, and once this third one goes through, then I'm finally going to be able to move on, and we're going to end up noticing for trial based upon all of the damages, but... It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and I hope you don't have to. I hope that your lawyer does right by you. And I hope the judge, you know, hears this. And I hope that the judge does right by it because nobody should ever have to pay Trump for his lies and for his defamation and the things that he says. Yeah. And he doesn't even care. He hopes that what he says about you. He hopes that it hurts you. He hopes that it wrecks your life because that's the type of person he is. He's miserable in his own skin, and he wants everyone to be miserable in theirs.
4: I mean, it just goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It shouldn't matter if if you love me or hate me or what political affiliation you are. It should terrify somebody that a sitting president can say whatever he wants and not be held accountable. You know, if Trump had just been like, she's fat, she's a bitch, she's a whore, She's what she's ugly. I don't like her. Fine. That's your opinion. As the president of the United States, perhaps you should not be tweeting that you think I look like a horse face, especially since it sort of implies that you're into bestiality since you're so about me, but I digress. Um, But what you cannot do is call somebody a liar. When I've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm not like, you're backing me up as well. Like I did not lie about anything, but you can call somebody. I can be like, Michael, I think you're ugly. And you'd be like, OK, but if I said, Michael, you're a car thief or you're, you know, that's different. One is actual slander. It's, you know, it's defamation because you're saying something that's not true. The other is an opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. But you're not allowed to say that I, you know, once he said I was a liar, that unleashed all of his followers and people not to trust me when it's crazy because clearly I didn't lie about
1: anything. OK, so let me ask you this thing. There's a joke that's going around Twitter about the fact that Trump commentated a celebrity boxing match on Saturday night, which happens to be the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And the match that he and Don Jr. and somebody um, commentated on lasted all of 81 seconds for which Trump remarked that was pathetic and for which Stormy Daniels is said to have remarked I've seen worse. Is he still in your books as the all-time worst sex that you've ever had?
4: Okay, so first of all, I didn't actually say that because I didn't know about it. But <laughs> I would have, for sure. It's really funny. It does sound snarky like me. Um, and yes, of course it's hands down the worst. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm i not going to challenge the universe by saying it couldn't possibly get worse because then a troll might knock on my door. but um, Or... An uglier... Uh, never mind. Yeah, it was the worst.
1: Yeah, because the last sure. time you were on, you said that the whole thing was like the worst 30 seconds of your life. In fact, that would be less than half of how long that this boxing match took place.
4: Exactly. And uh, was the boxing, boxing match at least a knockout? Because this certainly wasn't. It was, a,
1: <laughs> it was a technical knockout. So, look, let me ask you this then. As an award-winning adult film director, uh, and that you've made I mean, dozens and dozens of titles... Are there any plans to do a series about Trump? And um, if so, what are they? Can you give us a little sneak? Horror
4: porn doesn't sell. No, horror porn doesn't sell. I, I tried to make a scary adult film one time and it didn't do great. So I already know like, you know, besides it wouldn't even be a full length movie. It'd be like a commercial. There's not enough footage.
1: <laughs> well, okay. So then I read a recent item. Okay. Is that. <laughs> what's that? I said, but no. Okay, well, that's good for Trump to know. So I read a recent item that you were being considered for Meghan McCain's spot on The View. Is that a job that you would want? And who would you most want to interview if you actually became one of the cast members?
4: I think I would be really into it for a short period of time. Um, I think I would be pretty good at it. I like, you know, I've learned a lot. I think I'm fair. Um, It was one of my favorite shows that I did go on. I think it would be Very educational, I'd have a good time. I think the lack of creativity, because I like to do, like, creative movies, I think I would get bored. So I'd maybe want to do a guest spot. I wouldn't want to be actually part of the show long term. And if I could, I would want, you know what, fuck it. I want to interview Melania. Will they get me a translator?
1: Well, she speaks English. Questionable. (laughs) I very very want to sit down and talk to Stormy Daniels, because she's porn hooker. Right? Yeah, you heard that? Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh yeah, uh, you got you to gotta love that. But I have noticed on your Twitter feed that you still get significant harassment from MAGA losers oh, yeah. who, for whatever reason, you know, they think that, you'll, that you make some easy target. They obviously don't know you. What has been the strangest encounter that you've had from one of these, you know, from one of these folks?
4: Oh, my God. I have an answer for this. It's so strange. Uh, I thought that I had seen it all. In the last, you know, even pre the last
1: stormy, stormy, I'm sure you've seen them. I'm sure you've seen it all.
4: I thought I had, um, since I started doing the hurricane relief stuff, I am amazed that, I mean, I've gotten a lot of support. I don't want to put it out there. That sounds like I didn't, I've gotten thousands of support messages. People have donated, people have come out, people have helped. It's been really, really amazing. It restored a tiny little bit of my faith in humanity, but I will tell you that there was a couple, a handful of people that just went crazy on me. One of them was this chick on my Facebook, some some girl named Taylor Dawn or Dawn Taylor. And she's legit. I thought it was a troll account. She, I'm not kidding. I could send it to you. She spent days every time I put up a post like, oh, the donations we need today are diaper size this or this kind of water or hammers and nails, whatever these specific things were that we needed. Um, she would just... Nobody likes you. The city of Homa doesn't want you to donate. The entire city of Homa hates you. If you show up here, we're going to kill you. If you show up here, I'm going to have you turned into Homeland Security. First of all, that's not even a thing. This is not an airport, bitch. And then she's like, "You got to stay out of the, you know, it's illegal for you to go into the hurricane zone." I'm like, "I live here." Like, this is my house. Like, I'm not going in to But she just was relentless on on talking about this stuff. And then there was, you know, there was another one too on my I'm sure you saw it on my Twitter where this guy just spent in the entire day bashing me every time I put up a post asking for, you know, supplies or help and he just clogged up my feed. It takes a special kind of a monster to not want somebody to help somebody no matter what. Like you legit think I that these people should not get water or supplies or food because it came through me.
1: Yeah, so you, you got to love, love Yeah, them. you got to love it. And you should ask both of them. What the hell is- yeah, next time ask both of them what they've done to help their neighbor. Exactly. Yeah,
4: I'm curious because none of all my neighbors were very happy to see
1: that. That's believe me, they were, and they're very appreciative too. Okay. And it's. Re- it makes no difference what you do for a living. You're out there. You're helping people. And that's, and that's that. They don't like the movies. Don't watch them. But they will, take, they will take the diapers, the water, the food because they need the help. And you were there to, to give it to them. So yeah. shame on these other folks.
4: Person, yeah, there wasn't a single person who stood in line that I handed a plate of food to that said, no, thanks. I don't want that plate because you handed it to me. Quite the opposite, actually.
1: Let me ask you a so, question, though. I'm, I'm, I'm to... curious about something. Have you ever heard or were you ever contacted from any other GOP politician? No, no. It's shocking, you know, because so many of them do so many stupid things for Donald. I was certain that somebody would have reached out to you and said, you know, um, look, we have all of this money that we've grifted off of our mm-hmm. idiot supporters. And here's a million dollars just. You know, shut up. This time you're going to have to really abide by the so-called NDA. I'm shocked none of them reached out to you. Well, I'm happy to hear that, though. But there have also been rumblings of Trump running again in 2024. Is there anything from your one night stand and subsequent hush money payment from the former guy that might help in preventing his candidacy? Is there anything unique that you can tell my listeners
4: I mean, we've been over it so many times. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a monster, you know, he'll do and say anything. He needs this card, (laughs) but I don't think it's possible. He needs the honesty card. Um, you know, I will say that I hate to cut him any slack whatsoever. It pains me, but I will tell you that the conversations that I had with him back in 2006, um, are very different than listening to him speak today. I really hope that he sees a doctor because I, you know, he was obnoxious and an asshole and all of those things, but the conversations, at least they were complete sentences and actual words. It seems, you know, he's losing some of his, like, faculty. You his know cognitive yeah, um, skills,
1: uh, his cognitive abilities.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that to be cruel. I'm just, that's just an actual personal observation. You know, I sat in that room with him at the Beverly Hills hotel and he made several phone calls and the context of those calls were, were pretty horrifying. They're, you know, they're in the book. He, He was making racist jokes and this and that and conspiring, but the context was, was terrifying enough, but at least it was cohesive sentences, you know? Um, it made sense what he was saying. Now it seems he's always, he seems a little out of it.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's more than just his cognitive abilities that are being affected right now because of whether it's age or poor diet or what have you. I think he's also extremely nervous. He's very nervous about what's going to happen with the Trump organization now that it's under indictment. Alan Weisselberg, very soon to be Matt Calamari, potentially the kids, Jared himself, you know, and others. Rudy Giuliani, you know, now that you also saw what's going on with uh, that whole Lev harness case and, and so on. So I think that a lot of it is also the fact that he's scared shitless and he just doesn't know how to handle it because he's never been in that position where he didn't have someone like myself or others protecting him. But I am curious about something. I know from following your Twitter feed that you're really, you're, you're really a keen political watcher. And I I am curious what your take is on the state of Texas's new medieval abortion law that outlaws the procedure after six weeks and empowers a system of bounty hunters to turn in anyone who has helped a woman get a procedure from whether it's an Uber driver to your aunt to a Planned Parenthood, you know, clinician. Um, What's your thoughts on that?
4: I mean, I don't even know if I can find the words to describe this. I mean, what? I'm so glad I moved back to Louisiana because I was living in Texas for quite That's a while. That's why I've asked. What in the actual fuck? So the best part is I just came from Texas this past weekend. I was there visiting my daughter and um, there's absolutely no mask mandate whatsoever. I didn't see a single mask the whole time I was there. So there's this running joke like, you know, you can't have an abortion, but if you change your mind later, a kid doesn't have to wear the mask. Like they, they don't, They don't want anybody to tell them what to do with their faces, but they will tell anybody what to do with their reproductive system. I mean, it's just, it is absolutely insane. I, I didn't pay too much attention to it when it was first happening, happening, which is my bad, because I didn't think there was any way something like that would pass, you know? And I, I just can't find the words. And I, I want to encourage all business, you know, there are some pretty cool musicians and, and, um, uh, performers, that have started saying they won't go into Texas. And that's – you know, Texas is big. That's a big market. So I have a lot of respect for any, like, bands or musicians or artists or stand-up comics who said, like, fuck Texas. We're not going there. They all – like, we need to get together. We need to organize and and do something because it's going to spread. But a lot of people don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks. You know, it's – I I can't even look at me. I'm speechless. Have you ever seen me be speechless? I can't even fathom that this is really. Nope. This is. you know. Never
1: seen you speechless.
4: I have no words, but it is incredibly wrong. And let's hope that it gets reversed. And, or over. I don't know. I put on my Twitter the other day. I think it was Twitter or maybe it was my. Something somewhere on social media that I was glad that I didn't live in Texas anymore, but I'm still close enough to give anybody a ride. If they need an emergency vacation. Um, If you know what I mean Because this is just crazy
1: Yeah, but then they would end up pulling you in As being an assistant You know, assisting somebody in You know, the violation of this SB8 You know, abortion It's really disgraceful But you know, Stormy Like I told you at the beginning Come at me, babe I'm not scared You can't scare me No, that is true You are not But like I said to you at the beginning You know, the hour goes by quick So I have literally one last question for you I find it ironic that the GOP has these draconian laws in place. But they're also the ones with the most linked sex scandals from Trump all the way on down to that pathetic piece of shit, Matt Gates, right? Who's being investigated for underage sex trafficking. Did you ever get a message from Gates or encounter him in all of your travels?
4: I'm of age. I'm too old. Yeah,
1: that's probably true. He's still, he's still looking for his prom date. Look, um, Stormy, like I've said to you before, I mean, I think, you know, what you did um, with Hurricane, you know, Ida is really super special. Is there any like specific charity that you are affiliated with? And what I'm sure there are still people that must need help that's there as a there result. Is.
4: So that, this is one of the things that I have run into in the past is a lot of people won't work with me or they'll send money back because they don't want to be affiliated with, you know, at first it was the adult business. And now, of course, it's the whole Political stuff. So we just did it ourselves, and I can't continue to do this. I go back to work next week. I'll actually be in Miami this weekend for an event, and then you know I'm traveling. But I will tell you that Courtyard Brewery they do have a Venmo. I personally, personally vouch for the man who owns it. He was my neighbor for a long time. We've been I physically filled a box truck with donations. They're going directly to the people. There's no middleman. You know, there's no talk of somebody skimming. You know, and and then if anybody, anybody who comes to New Orleans, you know, when we get this shit cleared up or anybody who lives here, I just ask, like, if you really want to give back, like go to these two businesses that gave away everything. Um, I don't need anything. I don't, I'm not a charity organization. I was just helping get the word out and delivering stuff and doing what I could as a good person, as a good, as a good neighbor and fellow human in the community. Um, but there, you know, the Bayou, the Bayou parishes. And for those that don't know, a parish is a, basically a County, the Bayou parishes still don't have power down there. It's still a mess. It's going to be a long road for them. Um, so don't forget about new Orleans, is, new Orleans, and New York got all the attention, but don't forget about the other places, you know, and, um, just thanks to everybody who helped everybody who donated and retweeted it and sent the word out and sent Venmo and helped. It was, it was really inspiring to see people really band together. Can you tell
1: my folks, the Venmo, uh, Account on how to do it,
4: it is on his page. It's if you go to Twitter or um Instagram, it's Courtyard Brew. And the Venmo is come on, Scott. Let's see here, it is at NOLA all caps dash to home on. Here it is. I don't know if you can see it.
1: Nope, can't see it, but. Anyway, uh, I'm sure my folks will listen and hopefully they'll donate and I want to thank you. I want to wish you good luck in the upcoming case.
4: And that does not go to my bank account. I want to make it very clear. It has nothing to do with me. I'm not even going to be here after next week, but that's the person that and I And I still
1: want to wish you good luck in your upcoming case against um, against Avenatti. I hope that you're able to get your money back. It's your money. You wrote the book. It's It should have been in your account, not his. So I wish you all the best. If there's anything that you need from me, um, you know, please call me right away. And I'm probably going to ask you to join me as I'm going to do a virtual party on my uh, on the end of my 86 days left for this Cohen confinement calendar. You and I'm going to ask Rosie. I'm going to ask, you know, Ben Stiller again and Alyssa Milano and a bunch of the other political guys that you see on TV. We're going to make a whole big party out of it so that all of my listeners and all those that follow me as well on Twitter uh, will be able to, you know, Join me in this, you know, in this um, crusade for truth and for honesty. So, Stormy, thank you.
4: Thank you for having me, Michaels.
1: I'll see you soon. Absolutely. Bye -bye. Bye. And now for today's mea culpa. In thinking about the extraordinary and unprecedented actions taken by General Milley to prevent Trump from going rogue, I am terrified of what comes next. Let's face it, folks. We know how this will end if the GOP comes to power again. We also know what happens if the GOP recaptures the House and the Senate. January 6th was merely a prelude, a sneak preview, and a rough draft of the inevitable clash the majority will have with a radicalized minority willing to use violence to capture power and control of Washington. As former Trump strategist Brad Parscale says in Peril, Trump had an army, an army for Trump. He wants that back. I don't think he sees it as a comeback. He sees it as vengeance. The only way to prevent this is to fight back. I know I continue to say this, but it bears repeating over and over again, and I'll spray it on the fucking walls if necessary. The Democrats need to get in the fucking game. I don't know what they think is going on. This is no longer the gentle politics of the country club GOP. These people are armed, well-funded, and fucking insane. This is war people, and they've declared it on all of us. We need an emboldened citizenry and democratic party willing to face Trump in that peril head on. This means strengthening voting rights, abolishing the filibuster, countering right-wing disinformation, with Biden and Democrats flexing every fucking ounce of their power to take down an obstructionist minority that has no interest or desire to play by the rules or participate in a pluralistic democracy. This is what will stave off the right-wing coup. If not, I suppose our only hope is that the military swoops in to save the day, even if that comes at the cost of our democracy. But that's a day I hope I never see. And thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. And it's written and produced by Jimmy Jelinek. Executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, myself, Michael Cohen, and Phil Alberstadt. Our editor is Lisa Orkin. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is winning the war on the state and local level. Maya culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea culpa. Nothing but the truth.
0: Pluto TV is playing the biggest movies every night this summer for free. Watch hit movies like The Matrix, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Scary Movie, Runaway Bride, and more all summer long. Check out the biggest stars like The Rock, Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and more. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of free TV channels in English and Spanish featuring TV shows, news, sports, comedy, and more all for free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device, including Android and Apple smartphones. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free.
4: Pluto TV is playing the biggest movies every night this summer for free. Watch hit movies like The Matrix, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Scary Movie, Runaway Bride, and more all summer long. Check out the biggest stars like The Rock, Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and more. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of free TV channels in English and Spanish featuring TV shows, news, sports, comedy, and more, all for free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device, including Android and Apple smartphones. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch
3: free.
2: This is my mayor-girl.